Thursday Finance coming up next on 2NURFM. And Stephen Pritchard will be joining me, Jane Klein, and uh, we're going to take a look at superannuation changes and strategies that might be useful before the budget. We'll also have a chat to Henry Jennings about the market, a market update. Take a look at commodities and currencies and mm, petrol prices. And before we get round to currencies and commodities, Stephen Pritchard, petrol, we were talking about the possibility of petrol prices going up for last weekend being the final weekend of the school holidays and Anzac Day, a long weekend on the Monday. They did. Yes, they did. I mean, just this morning they're a dollar twenty-four cents a litre compared to a dollar four, so they're up almost twenty percent on in, in a week. And uh, it was a bit more than I thought they'd go up, even though you were spot on that they were. Jane, the Oracle, predicted that they were were going to increase, but I bet you didn't think they were going to increase twenty percent. <laughs> that is a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. And uh, Todd Sargent spoke to Kyle Lodes from the NRMA today, and uh, it seems that um, that's going to be happening. They're going to be with us these higher prices. Although he did uh, suggest that we support the independents because they'll keep the others honest. Um, yes, there's all sorts of issues about um, cross subsidisation with the uh, shopper dockets and flybys and whatever else you have. Um, but you know the, the prices up 20 cents in Newcastle, but it's only up 8 cents a litre in Sydney. So, so you know, once again, we, we seem to be, uh, you know, paying a fair bit more than we should. We'll leave that question open, I think, and <laughs> make up your own mind. In the meantime, what's happening with other commodities apart from Oh, petrol? other commodities. Well, um, there's a bit of black ink here last week. Um, the price of silver was up, um, uh, sorry, the price of gold was up in Australian dollar terms to $1,642 an ounce, which is a 2.25% increase. Uh, the price of um, silver was up um, 3% an ounce, uh, to $22.82 and the price of copper was steady at $6,418 a tonne and um, tin, uh, sorry, nickel was also steady at $11,816 a tonne. So the precious uh, metals were up in $8 terms but a part of that is because the Australian dollar fell during the week and and of course those metals are quoted internationally in US dollar terms and when you convert them to a dollar terms the, the currency has a large effect so the Australian dollar was was as of last night was at 75 uh, cents which was down two percent on the week um, the great British pound was uh, 52 uh, pence which was down three percent on the week and uh, euro the was 67 euro cents was down two percent on the week so overall the the Australian currency uh, fell during the week um, which is you know, the Reserve Bank's still trying to push the Australian currency down. So it'd be interesting to see what happens um, next week when the uh, interest rate announcement comes for the month. Mm-hmm. Does Oracle Jane have a prediction for that? <laughs> Not right at the moment. <laughs> what Not about quite. you? I, I think it'll just stay where it is. Yeah, <laughs> that being the first Tuesday of the month. First Tuesday mm. of the month, yeah. And mm. it's budget in the night, isn't it budget? Budget as well. Yeah, Budget on day. Tuesday night, yes. Mm. Yeah. So probably the Reserve Bank won't do anything. Because it wouldn't want to be seen to be political. Um, the oil and gas index, um, you know, was pretty steady around half a percent down the week to five thousand two hundred fifty. Uh, the Dow Jones index was point three percent down to eighteen thousand forty-one. Uh, the UK index was uh, six thousand three hundred nineteen, which was one point four percent down. And the Hang Seng, which is Hong Kong index, was twenty-one thousand three hundred sixty-one, which is point five percent up. Um, 
back on hydrocarbons, the West Texas Intermediate Crude price was uh, $56.84, which was 4.57% up in Australian dollar terms. And the unleaded fuel price in Newcastle, as we spoke about earlier, was $1.24, which is 16% up on last week. And in Sydney, it's $1.15, which is only 6.5% up. So it's interesting the question. I mean, perhaps our listeners could... Uh, ring the major oil companies and ask for an explanation. I'm sure the phone number's in the phone book or online <laughs> if you haven't got a phone book. Um, and the diesel price, well, interesting, the diesel price moved the other way. Margin in, in Newcastle, it's $1.13 a litre, which is which was about the same as last week. And uh, the, the diesel price in Sydney was also uh, pretty similar to last week, $1.5.1 compared to $1.4.8. So no real changes in the diesel price, but, but the petrol price is really a shocker. This is Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard, time for our market update with Henry Jennings. Who oh, is- Henry. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm good today, Henry. I've been... That's uh, good. I missed you last week. Yeah, I, I think I've missed you for a couple of weeks, haven't I? Um, yeah, the week before... We had I Barry was, back. Uh, I was uh, in the city, I think, doing something. Oh, well, no, no, I thought Barry was here for one week too. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. Barry was here last week. Yep, and then well, you, were, you, were, you were away the previous week. Anyhow, we're all here now together. And so I'm just, I'm just having a glass of milk here. I've made sure it's come from Murray Goldman to help them out. So, so, All right. so what's happened down there? Um, well, unfortunately, Murray Goldman has not had a particularly good week. Um, um, they um, they had a bit of a profit downgrade, and they also lost their CEO uh, yesterday. Um, as he sort of fell on his sword um, due to, um, I guess, falling milk prices. They also cut the farm gate price to farmers, um, which is obviously not good news for those uh those farmers either. So it hasn't been a great story. There is a global milk uh, glut, which has certainly been uh, affecting uh, farm day pricing and Murray Goldman. So not good news at all. No, no, it was interesting. He fell on his sword for something that he wasn't really responsible for anyhow, which well, is a change. I, I think, unfortunately, he probably um, moved too slowly to, uh, to keep the market informed about what was happening with the, uh, the milk price. Mm. And although he's not responsible for the global glut... Um, I think he's certainly probably moved a little slowly, mm-hmm. um, keeping the market informed and also uh, keeping the farmers informed, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, uh, that's more important. Yep. And the AMP chairman's uh, unexpectedly resigned. Have we heard any reason why that's the case? Not really. I don't think there's anything particularly sinister about it. He's been the chairman for a little while. Um, so I don't think there's anything particularly sinister about it. Certainly the market didn't um, take anything sinister about it. I think there just uh, probably comes a time in every uh, chairman's life and it's time to move on and maybe for personal reasons he felt it was time. And uh, a couple of things about some oil stocks here. Um, uh, Saudi Arabia has announced plans to sell up to 5% of Saudi Armco in an IPO, yeah. which will be the world's largest ever IPO. Yeah, this is, uh, I guess this is an interesting development. Saudi Arabia is looking um, for life beyond uh, their oil revenues. And, of course, they've been primarily the reason why oil has been uh, under such pressure this year and getting down to 26, 27 bucks um, as they continue to oversupply a, a sort of not a particularly great market. So um, they've announced that they're going to be selling off 5% or they're looking to sell off 5% of what they call Aramco, which is the uh, Arabian, uh, Saudi Arabian oil company, nationalized oil company. And they're, and they're going to put the money that they raise from this uh, into 
a big sovereign wealth fund, which will be one of the biggest in the world. I mean, Aramco is worth sort of two, two and a half trillion dollars. So it could be the world's biggest IPO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, very interesting. I guess in that background, as I wrote the other day in the newsletter, the um, the Saudis are probably it's in their interest to keep the oil price relatively uh, at least stable and not have it crashing down again so that they can uh, get this IPO away later in the year. Now, it's interesting timing because Exxon Mobil's um, credit rating has just been downgraded for the first time since the Great Depression because of the falling oil prices. Yeah, <laughs> well, I guess they, they were actually the last of the oil stocks um, really to have their um, credit rating downgraded, so it was only really a matter of time, I guess. Uh, um, you know, oil's fallen from... $110 a, a barrel down to uh, 27 and bounced, and it's now back up to $45 a barrel. So um, the credit rating agencies tend to be sort of behind the curve a little bit because they're, they're looking backwards rather than forwards. They put things on a credit watch for the going forward aspect, but certainly it was no real surprise to the market given that other oil companies have suffered a similar fate. Yeah, and, and Beach Oil, uh, Beach, sorry, Energy, um, has continued to cut back on jobs following their merger with Drill Search. Uh, to try and to try and cut costs, I assume. Well, it's uh, it's a familiar story, isn't it? When commodity prices come under pressure, uh, we do see these job cuts uh, come through, and Beach is no exception. They, as you say, they merged recently with Drill Search, and uh, as a result, I think they've let another 88 people go. They're closing the Sydney office uh, this week, um, so I guess it's a more focused and, and cheaper operation to run. But um, you know, it's probably not good news, obviously, for those people employed in the industry, but inevitable with oil prices where they are. And, uh, you know, on something different, ANZ, they're, they're now talking about selling their e-trade business. I remember not so long ago there was a big battle for them to buy that. Now they want to sell it. <laughs> yeah, how, how times have changed, I guess. Um, a lot of these banks, are, I, I suspect, are trying to make themselves look... Um, Looks slightly cleaner than clean. Um, e Trade is a stockbroking online stockbroking business, and as such, I guess it's, uh, it falls under the wealth management department. And there is some scope there for negative PR, and obviously, um, you know, broking isn't what it used to be. No. So maybe they're just looking at it as a, as a more of a liability than an asset mm-hmm. at the moment. And uh, it is a generic kind of product, but it does carry some uh, some liabilities in terms of advising clients, in terms of recommendations and, uh, and execution risks as well. So um, it's, uh, it, I guess it's inevitable these things happen. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who buys it and what they get. Uh, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? I guess if, if ANZ is selling it, it probably takes out the rest of the banking sector. Um, so I would imagine that anyone who was looking to get into uh, to online execution and broking um, would probably be from overseas, I would imagine. Yep. We might have a break, and Henry will be back in a minute. This is Thursday Finance, and we're in the middle of our market snapshot with Henry Jennings, who is Senior Commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Over to you, Stephen Henry. Richard. <laughs> so, so, so speaking of bank stock, what's Marcus Today's view on uh, people's investment in bank stocks? Um, we're still very, um, I, I guess we're still very positive on the banking sector. We think uh, the recent weakness has been overdone. Um, undoubtedly, they have some headwinds uh, coming up um, in terms of uh, credit quality, bad debts and uh, growth questions. But uh, we, we think with the yields where they are, um, you know, in, in some cases over 10.5% fully franked, um, they do offer good long-term value and they are kind of the core 
of any investor's portfolio. The problem, I guess, for local investors is they're all probably chock full of banks. Mm-hmm. Um, international investors see them as a proxy for the Australian housing market and the Australian economy, so they love selling them down uh, quite aggressively on the back of that. But we still think it's, uh, it's a good sector to be in, although there are some headwinds on the horizon for sure. And anyone who wants to, to get Marcus today's views have still got that opportunity for that free subscription, haven't they? For a couple there's, of weeks? Uh, there's a two week for sign right. up for a two week free yep. trial, marcustoday.com.au, yeah. And I hear Henry, Henry's report every day. You can, you can read all read about it. it. Sorry, yep. And so uh, lately, Bradkin Board's rejected another offer from Champ Private Equity, but the share price yeah. seems to be recovering a bit. Well, obviously there's some interest out there. This was a, um, an unsolicited, highly conditional, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of uh, um, two, two men in a bar meeting and, and discussing uh, something in theory. But um, certainly you know, there's, there's a better feeling, I guess, to, uh, to mining services in general, only on the back of um, you know, improving commodity prices that we've seen across the board. Um, this looks like an opportunistic approach. Um, so it remains to be seen whether they put something firm on the table. But at the moment, it seems to be uh, very conditional and, and very wishy-washy, but we'll see what transpires. And back to our banks again, but Westpac's decided to stop lending to foreign buyers. I assume that's... Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess this, this was um, a big upset yesterday. Uh, well, it seemed to turn the market on its on its head. We had a very strong uh, day after the CPI number. We were up around 60 points and Westpac announced that they were going to stop lending to foreign buyers and the market slid away, banks especially hard hit. Um, I guess there's a, there's a, a feeling that if uh, the only buyers are overseas buyers and our local banks start uh, um, not lending to them at all, then that will affect the apartment market. I think that this, this is a very small part of their business lending money to foreign buyers. It always seemed a little bit crazy to me um, that a, a foreign buyer in China could supply you know, a, a basically a, a pay slip and, and borrow money to buy an apartment in Melbourne or Sydney. On the back of that, um, it just seemed highly risky um, and certainly not something that the banks pursued massively aggressively. And I think Westpac's just coming back in line with the other banks' policies on this. So it's, it's a sensible, prudent move. Whether it ushers in the era of, uh, of an apartment crash uh, remains to be seen, but certainly there's a slowing in that market, both in Sydney and in Melbourne, due to oversupply. Yeah, it's interesting. You're right. I mean, I wonder if the pay slip was in Cantonese or English. But anyhow. Um, I suspect it was probably in Cantonese, and I certainly heard from uh, some mortgage broker friends of mine that uh, banking lending standards to these overseas nationals was pretty lax and, and definitely needs to be tightened up. So it's probably a welcome move in that respect. Mm. And a welcome move for Mark McGuinness. Anyhow, Premier Investments is giving him a million-dollar-a-year pay rise. Yeah, he's done well, hasn't he? Uh, it's been a, a fantastic success story, the uh, the Smiggle story. Yep. Mark McGuinness, of course, uh, left uh, David Jones under a little bit of a cloud, joined uh, master retailer Solly Lou at Premier, uh, has developed the uh, the Smiggle, and, of course, Peter Alexander, uh, bed, or sleepwear, I guess, yep. um, and has done exceptionally well, and Solly is, um, has rewarded him um, accordingly. So he's, uh, he's done, done a great job. And the shareholders have done quite well too. So shareholders have done very well. It's always good to have those... Uh, shareholders and management interests aligned. Unfortunately, sometimes we see management and paying themselves extraordinary bonuses based on performance, which is pretty woeful, to be honest. So, um, you know, we do we do have a history of seeing companies that uh, underperform, still paying their uh, CEOs and management teams uh, vast bonuses based on, on very little. So, um, 
Yeah. Yes. So, so, so the other thing is, is speaking of new management, Coca-Cola, they're talking about a profit um, expected to fall as a result of de-scanning. I've, I've noticed that um, down at Coles, at anyhow, they seem to be discounting Coca-Cola 24 packs down a lot by a lot. So, so what's all this behind? Well, I guess, I mean, it's, it's a pretty competitive market out there um, for soft drinks. Coke is very much um, focused on the fizzy soft drink market and, and, of course, their flagship brands, things like Coca-Cola and Fanta and Sprite. Um, and like you, you wander around Coles or Woolies or whatever, and you do see uh, a, a big discounting in terms of, uh, you know, you've got to buy four bottles, but you get them for six bucks or something, and you really only want one bottle. So um, there is a lot of discounting. I guess the other worry for, for Coca-Cola is that um, at some stage we may follow other countries around the globe with, uh, with some sort of sugar tax. Mm-hmm. The UK has moved that way as well. Obesity and diabetes is a, is a massive issue. Um, it's not that Coca-Cola is solely to blame for that, but certainly um, it's, uh, it's, it's a sugar tax would, uh, would certainly, uh, I guess, demand a little bit and make us all a little healthier. Yes, and just one thing before we go back onto your favourite stock, Slater and Gordon. I mean, the, <laughs> the former boss of Quindles now saying Slater and Gordon got a bargain. <laughs> I think the man is completely and utterly deluded. Slater uh, and Gordon shareholders would would take some serious issue with that, having paid you know eight nine hundred a billion dollars for the UK business, raised a fortune, stock price seven bucks, and now it's uh, in the twenties. Um, I don't cents. think it's twenty cents. I don't think there's any shareholders out there that would uh, would agree with uh, that that Quindell former boss and would. Um, Probably like to uh, see him in the pub and um, have a, a robust discussion about that. Okay, it's just amazing people's views, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean that's right. I mean, there's there's, um, there's always two sides to every coin, but uh, I think it's fair to say, given the share price and, and the money they've written off in the UK business, um, it has been an unmitigated disaster for Slater and Gordon shareholders and management. Yep. Okay, thanks for that, Henry. And, uh, My pleasure, Stephen. Have a great week. Week. And you're just Cheers. about off, uh, Henry, to um, into the television studio I'm from Sky News. I'm just about to go into Sky Business to do uh, two hours of fun and games on, uh, on Sky Business. Two in, hours? In, oh. Two hours. Enjoy. <laughs> Our multimedia <laughs> personality. Excellent. Know, terrible. Yeah, thanks, and Henry. we'll talk to you again next Thursday on Thursday Finance. We're very happy to take your calls if you've got a question you'd like to put to Stephen Pritchard today. Personal investment, taxation, the stock market, go for it, 49216216. And we're talking about superannuation and strategies that might help you before the budget, Stephen. Um, yes, there's there's lots of talk about proposed changes in the budget, and um, some of, and in the past, when when changes have been made, they haven't been made retrospectively. So there's still a bit of a window of opportunity to to, to do some um, tax planning for um, your superannuation. Um, so you're not just gambling on what's going to come up in the budget? Well, you're always gambling on what's <laughs> going to come up in the budget. But if you're going to do some things anyhow in, before the 30th of June, um, it, it may be worthwhile doing them before the 2nd of May, which is budget night, because in the in the past, most Third of these of announcements... 3rd of May? Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. yeah. Most of these announcements have applied from the time of announcement. So the first thing we need to look at is your contributions. Now, a lot of people 
put in, uh, particularly small business people, um, which is what we deal with a lot, uh, put in additional contributions towards the end of the year. So, so what would happen is they'd put in their uh, SGC requirement and they have a look at what what additional contributions they may want to put in prior to the end of June. Now, if, if as talked, that the um, there is some discussion that the uh, concessional contributions will be limited to um, twenty thousand instead of the current thirty or 35, depending on your age bracket, um, it may be worthwhile working out what um, SGC requirements you have to put in for the rest of the year. And, SGC um, superannuation guarantee. guarantee requirements. And then if you're going to top up to your thirty or 35,000 prior to the end of you, you were thinking of doing, uh, to do that before next Tuesday, close of business next Tuesday. Because the existing concessions will still apply. Yeah, in the past that's yeah. always been the case and I can't see how you can really claw back... Um, you know, it'd be just too hard. So, so the easiest solution is if you're if you're thinking of putting in additional deductible contributions um, in the current year, make sure you get them in before um, the close of business on Tuesday. I would suggest. Hmm. Okay. Now, what about this bring forward well, rule? What is the bring yes. forward rule? So the other the other type of contributions you can make is is um, what are called uh, non-concessional or non-deductible contributions. So if, if you're eligible to make those, um, what you can presently do, you can contribute 180000 per annum for non-deductible uh, contributions. So that's basically money that you've got from the, uh, your sale of your mother's estate or your selling mother's house or you've accumulated in your savings account or you've sold an investment property and you've decided to contribute that to super. Now, Currently, you can put in 180000 per annum, but there's this thing called the Bring Forward Rule that lets you put in three years' contributions in one go. So if you've sold a rental property or you've won the lottery or something and you've got, say, half a million dollars, under the Bring Forward Rule, you're allowed to bring forward the next three years' non-deductible contributions and put them in in the current year. So so if you, if you want to put in more than... If you're thinking about making a... Um, non-deductible contribution to your superannuation fund. Uh, once again, I'd suggest you do that before um, the second of May, close of business on the second of May. And also, if third you think third of May, third of May, how about I just stick to Tuesday? Tuesday. The close of business next Tuesday. And if you're thinking of topping up even more above the hundred eighty thousand um, dollars, once again, I'd suggest you do that before the close of business of Tuesday. Now, the bring forward rule has got a few complications, like everything else, and it's not. It's there's there's various people who can qualify for it and people who can't. So probably, if you're thinking to do that, I'd suggest you get some some advice in respect of that before you rush on. But you know, you've only got Friday. And Monday, really, to get all this in place if you want to do it by Tuesday. Start thinking. On to a new RFM, seven minutes away from the one o'clock news. Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Bridgehart and Partners. And just taking a look at some of the things, some strategies before the budget comes in next Tuesday, um, as far as your superannuation is concerned. And Stephen Pritchard, um, transition to retirement pension. Well, one, one of the things you can do is there's a, there's a thing called a transition to retirement pension. And this is for people who are currently at work and are looking to retire. Now, people who are over the age of 
55 subject to certain qualifications, like all things, um, may be eligible to take a transition to retirement benefit pension. And what, what the advantage of this is, the, the part of the superannuation fund that's used to pay the pension becomes tax-free, so it doesn't pay you to tax on it, any of its earnings, so that saves you approximately 15% of, of the earnings. And when you get the pension, it's treated a concessional um, tax treatment when you receive it. So it's a very tax-effective way of, of taking money out of your superannuation fund. Now, once again, there's talk of um, transition to retirement pensions um, being taxed in a different manner or even being stopped altogether. But I think once you've actually started them, as we've seen with changes to Social Security in the past, all those old pensions will most probably be grandfathered. Now, um, I'd suggest if you're thinking about doing a transition to retirement benefit, um, you, you get it in place before the close of business on Tuesday, which I'm remembering now is the third, but I'm saying Tuesday, um, next week. So, so once again, um, you know, transition to retirement pensions are particularly more effective, particularly effective for people over 60. Because once you get over 60, you, you know, the pension becomes um, tax-free altogether. So when, when you're under under 60, you pay um, tax subject to a rebate at your marginal rate. Over 60, the proceeds are tax-free. So anyone who's got a superannuation fund um, and they're over 60 should definitely think about um, taking out a pension payment um, and I would suggest commencing that before um, next Tuesday. Now what you might turn around and say was well I don't actually need that money. Um, well there's nothing to stop you putting in um, contributions um, saving up some of these pension payments and not spending it and recontributing to the superannuation fund provided you're eligible to do that. Hmm. Now, um, Which that, is largely the work um, clause is it? The yeah, work requirement. Yeah, work, yeah. work requirement. That, um, but that's that applies. Well, actually, that only applies when you're over sixty-five. Okay. Work, but, but there are other things you have to beat. So, but once again, I mean, your time's running out on to do that. I, I would have thought that your fund would want all the, you know, all the paperwork in in the next day or so to to get this thing set up prior to uh, the close of business on Tuesday. So there's still some there's still some planning opportunities here. Um, the one that's probably easiest to address is the. Um, contributions, topping up your deductible contributions, ensure that you get them in prior to Tuesday and um, looking at the uh, non-concessional contributions and the application of the uh, bring forward rule there. So those are the two to think about and uh, budget day. Will it actually change our lives in a big way? Well, of course, it's, well, it's going to be very interesting this year because we budget's going to be announced um, on Tuesday. The, this opposition's going to have a... Um, a what do they, they call that? The opposition's reply to the yes. a response, mm. and then the, it appears that immediately after the response from the opposition, the um, prime minister is then going to go off to the governor general and request a double dissolution. So what that means is that the whole budget might never see the light of day anyhow. <laughs> How interesting! We'll find out next or we'll know by next week, next Thursday as well. Uh, when we come back with Thursday Finance on to a new RFM after the midday news. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard.